Welcome to Point Two Law Review. I'm John Brandt. And I am Carson Messersmith. And we are here. It is the tax week, week of April 18th through the 20. What oh, now? wow. What a bright, what a bright, <laughs> what a bright thing to start with tax week. Something yeah. everybody wants to hear about. You know, there are some tax people who just well, get giddy true. with they excitement. Just, well, mostly that it's going to be over. But yeah, 18th through the 21st. 18th through the 21st of April. Uh, what else is going on in the world? I don't know. Is there anything fun going on that's not tax related? No. Everybody lost their blue check marks on Twitter and they're going nuts. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, the Twitter controversy is going on. Nebraska's windy, mostly. Um, um, and then I saw somebody equate the Twitter blue check marks to a Burger King crown. <laughs> <laughs> I can say, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And for those of you who don't know what a blue check mark is, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, ex parte summary Supreme Court. We got two opinions today. Two opinions. All right. Uh, you got the first one? Yeah, Clark versus Shields uh, summary judgment. I got in, in the interest of Manuel C and Mateo S, and that is ICWA final order. So. Let's get started. So, okay, Clark versus Shields, um, and I, I, in the executive summary, said this is a summary judgment case, and at its heart, it is uh, truly a summary judgment case. Um, it comes to us factually as a premises liability case um, against uh, Shields, uh, where a um, individual fell going into Shields, and um, there was a couple areas where it was discussed. One, um, if this uh, grate that the person's shoelace got caught into was um, an unreasonably uh, dangerous um, thing that was allowed to be on the premises. And then the second area was um, these doors, and essentially if they created a wind tunnel, um, that was an issue. But the big issue here um, becomes a discussion on summary judgment and, and um, kind of where uh, Nebraska summary judgment law is. Um, and so summary judgment was granted at the district court level. Um, and then, you know, we've went through summary judgment cases many times. And, uh, you know, the piece I will tell you here is is just if you want a lot of background on where Nebraska summary judgment law is, then this is the opinion for you. Uh, but essentially, this case clarifies um, the two grounds under which we can uh, see a, a summary judgment granted, and that is um, either citing to materials in the record that affirmatively negate an essential element of the non-moving party's claim, or by citing to materials in the record demonstrating that the non-moving party's evidence is insufficient to establish an essential element of the non-moving party's claim. And so it's kind of that twofold, and that's somewhat existed in Nebraska law, but um, the Nebraska Supreme Court goes ahead and clarifies that those are the two um, areas. It cites to some uh, federal law that's existed and then um, essentially says that Nebraska law is clarified and and says that this is the uh, framework for summary judgment in the state of Nebraska um, now. Um, and then the, the main opinion goes on to say that uh, Shields met their uh, burden um, and showed that uh, there was no evidence supporting a finding that uh, the foot grate was unreasonably dangerous and therefore summary judgment uh, was appropriate and affirmed. Uh, but the interesting piece here is that there was a um, dissent, which essentially said that, you know, there were lots of um, issues during uh, discovery, primarily allegations that Shields uh, failed to comply with discovery and uh, made it exceptionally difficult to um, 
ascertain certain facts and um, flesh out discovery and that therefore uh, the dissent found that there should um, have been an option to uh, at least submit this to a fact finder and that uh, summary judgment wasn't appropriate and so even though uh, they dis or they agreed with um, the standard as far as the law goes uh, they disagreed with the fact um, that uh, there was no um, dispute here that should have been submitted to a fact finder. And so the dissent argued um, that that this was a case that should have um, gone to gone to a uh, jury. And the interesting piece that I will note there is just that sometimes um, I guess those um, dissents, especially when they're fleshed out um, as thoroughly as this one was, I mean, many, many pages, uh, they kind of give you um, a little bit of insight into uh, where, you know, some of the justices are um, on issues like this. And so maybe they give you a place to make arguments even um, here, if you think maybe you're in a losing position or in a weaker position um, where you can make some arguments against summary judgment or, or for summary judgment. So again, a good opinion, 42 pages. So again, there's a ton of information in here. Uh, but if you're a civil practitioner and you're wondering about fleshing out uh, summary judgment law, you know, it, I think it is a, a valuable case and an important case and that, you know, it does codify the two, two areas where summary judgment can be granted. So if you're working on a summary judgment brief, uh, yeah, I right think now, it's a value. You, you take a look at it and maybe get some law chunks out of it and get some clarifications depending on one side or the other. And, you know, you can try and thread the needle, I guess, with the dissent and see if there's something you can uh, get out of there and, and maybe pull some people over from the other side if you have one of those issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have an array uh, interest of Manuel C. and Mateo S. B. Amber S. Appellant and Red Lake Band of Chippewa Indians Appalee. Um, this is a case from juvenile court where the state of Nebraska sought to terminate the parental rights of Amber S. Amber um, was eligible to be enrolled as a member of the Red Lake Band of Chippewa Indians. She was not a member. Everybody agrees with that except um, the Red Lake, Red Lake Band of Chippewa Indian. They claim that when they try and intervene into this juvenile termination action that ICWA should apply and that they are the ones who get to decide whether someone is a member or not a member. They claim that because she is eligible for enrollment, she is a member and she is entitled to all the protections of ICWA and NICWA and then that's what should happen with this mother. So the um, trial court, the juvenile court, initially granted the intervention. The state asked for the trial court to reconsider. And upon reconsideration, the um, trial court denied the application to intervene and appealed. So since mom is eligible for enrollment and not yet a member, and the tribe consider, considers the biological mother a member, they need to decide whether enrollment eligibility is sufficient to, uh, to be called a member, especially because the state sovereign, the Red Lake Band of Chippewa, uh, decides who is a member. They get that decision. They get to do that. So they take this up on appeal, and there's two issues. The first issue is whether an ICWA denial of a motion to intervene on behalf of the tribe is a final appealable order, and the uh, Nebraska Supreme Court holds that it is a final appealable order, that it uh, affects a substantial right 
that is some law that was made with this case. Uh, it just clarifies what a final appealable order is in the sense of a ICWA case and whether that affects a substantial right. So that one is, that procedural issue is important to get out of this case. And secondly, they say that the party seeking the NICWA uh, protections has the burden of proving that NICWA, ICWA should apply and that the tribal considers no distinction as uh, insufficient. So the, uh, the tribal considerations of saying that she is a member, even though she's only eligible for enrollment, is insufficient to uh, satisfy the statute that requires uh, the uh, burden of the person claiming ICWA should apply to demonstrate that she's a member. So there's some back and forth. We had some amicus curie briefs from Nebraska Appleseed. There were lots of folks involved. But ultimately what happened here is the Nebraska Supreme Court affirmed the trial court's denial of the intervention uh, of the Red Lake Band of Chippewa, and it was sent back down. It becomes kind of an issue from my perspective because they ha she had applied to be enrolled, and the tribe could have... I assume enrolled her at any time, but they, they did not for whatever reason by the time this intervention was filed. But the termination from the procedure that I see hasn't happened yet. So technically they could go back and they could probably um, have her be enrolled. And I don't know whether it would, would apply then not, uh, or would apply then at that point, permitting the tribe to intervene. I don't know. I think that's, a, that's an interesting uh, thing that we'll never find out unless we go back and look. So that's that case. So you leave us with, we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, someday there might be a rest of the story to that. But for right now, um, I mean, I don't know how that's, I don't know how it's going to shake out. All right. So I think that's it for the Supreme Court. Yep. Uh, so on to the Court of Appeals. The first ca case we come to is uh, Schroeder, or I should say KJH Enterprises versus Schroeder. This is an appeal from a writ of restitution um, coming out of... Lancaster County. And the big issue here was whether or not there was still a title dispute uh, to a property that uh, um, Schroeder um, was saying that uh, she still had an interest in. And uh, here the big issue is that there were uh, multiple uh, county court cases that had already been fully litigated, uh, but Schroeder had um, a pending case in uh, federal court and argued that because this case was pending in federal court, um, there um, should be a title dispute. And therefore, um, you know, there were multiple issues that uh, because of that pending case, then uh, the court was uh, void of subject matter jurisdiction. And then also since that title was in dispute, there was no way... Uh, to grant the uh, writ of restitution. Uh, the county court found and the Court of Appeals agreed that um, the issue had basically been fully litigated. Schroeder had an opportunity to present evidence, and uh, here there was no title um, dispute. And then there was an issue on appeal over attorney's fees, and um, the Court of Appeals once again uh, reaffirmed that um, attorney fees are discretionary. Um, and here, um, even if uh, it was a case that you know was frivolous or one party's arguing you know was unnecessary, that's still discretionary, and so uh, they affirmed on all grounds. Okay, I have in the interest of Zaley C uh, versus Michaela S. This is another juvenile case. This is an appeal of a termination of parental rights just on behalf of the mother. It I doesn't show that the father appealed. The allegations uh, and the grounds for appeal are sufficient, you know, significant. And there's a number of, of facts involved in the case. 
as far as you know what led up to the termination of parental rights. The court here, the court of appeals finds that you know they have the 15 out of 22 months, so we don't need to look at all the other um, grounds for termination. They have that one, and then they go into a best interest analysis, which uh, they you know they look at the therapeutic interventions and other items for the juvenile and the parent, and they find that it's um, while there was some progress on behalf of the mother and she has committed to making progress, um, they ultimately terminate her parental rights and find that it is in her in the child's best interest to have the mother's parental rights terminated, and they affirm the trial court. Okay, uh, next case we come to is State v. Weaver. This is an appeal um, from a plea-based conviction out of uh, Saline County, and um, here Weaver argues that his trial uh, counsel was ineffective and that the district court um, imposed excessive sentences. Um, here the big issue is um, that apparently trial counsel, um, appellant argues on Peel uh, had created this plea deal without um, him being properly advised and uh, essentially presented it without an opportunity to review or discuss. And the Court of Appeals uh, deals with that basically just off the record um, and, you know, says, you know, hey, you had the opportunity to review this. Um, not only did you have, are you of an age and a, um, education to be able to appreciate and understand, but the district court appropriately clarified. And so that goes back uh, through all the rights advisements that we went through a couple of weeks ago and making sure that th all those things are done appropriately. Um, and so the court of appeals says that, uh, no, there was no ineffective assistance of counsel here. And then um, the uh, sentence was within the statutory ranges. And so we have no issues there. And the... Um, Court of Appeals affirms. See, that's how it's supposed to go. Oh, we're done, right? We're done. See, that's how it's supposed to go every week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just drop, um, you know, three opinions, Court of Appeals and Supreme Court two opinions, and we will just smash right through them. Yeah, we, I mean, that's that's how you get to point two. That is. That is point two. And, and anyway, um, let's see. What else? Uh, oh, this is point two law review. Go back to episode one and review uh, the disclaimer. Uh, we this is brought to you by Anderson Klein Brewster and Brandt offices in Kearney Holdridge Minden. What else should we say? Uh, continue to uh, follow us on the socials. Um, I haven't got anybody's uh, pictures of anybody's feet lately. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as much as we appreciate the engagement, um, yeah, feet pictures on Facebook uh, or through Facebook DMs, um, I guess. I guess if you want to do that, no, go no. ahead. John will review them. Um, <laughs> I'll forward those right on to Jeff Enns is what I'm going to do. All right. That's it for this week. I'm John Brandt. And I'm Carson Messersmith. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks. Thanks.